Welcome to New Freedom Church. Our mission is to be real people walking and experiencing real freedom. If you're new with us, please like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get new content immediately when it's released. And we want to thank those of you who have shared our videos because it helps us to reach even more people with the life-changing message that there is a Savior who loves you and wants real, genuine freedom for you. And if you haven't done so already, go to newfc.org. Go to the Connect tab and share with us how we can best connect with you and your family to serve your needs. I believe that God is speaking to hearts this morning. And I just want us to pray for just a moment. Before we begin the message, I just want us to pray. God, I pray for the one that is far from home. I pray for that one that's on the run. That one that needs the assurance that they are special, that they're important, that you love them. Lord, my heart of compassion right now is reaching out to someone that needs to know that they're not alone and that you are pursuing them. That just like you left the 99 to go after the one, you're drawing them to you today. And I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my God, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, good morning. My name is Joe, and if I haven't had the privilege to meet you, I serve as lead pastor here at New Freedom. Would love to get to know you, get acquainted with you. If you're watching us online, there's a digital connection card that you can fill out right there, and we'll know uh, that you are watching. And glad that you're joining us for part two in a series called Jonah. Last week, we looked at Jonah being on the run from God, and it's been amazing to me over the last probably three or four months as I'm reading the scriptures that I continue to see ways in which God speaks to people through a literal and physical storm that has risen up on water. And then I, I think figuratively to our lives right now, all around the world, that we find ourselves in a storm. Many people around us are just experiencing things in their personal lives that Uh, They had never fathomed before would even happen. And as I read the scriptures, I see God giving a message to people so oftentimes in the crisis, in the moment of a storm. Many times we reject and despise those kinds of testings in our life, but God really has a purpose and a plan for what he's bringing us through. Last week, I left you with Jonah being swallowed up by a big fish and we kind of concluded there with uh, his rebellion being fulfilled and the fact that he got swallowed up into a place that he's going to talk to us about today, which is like a, a place of death, Sheol. And Jesus references Jonah in the New Testament. He said, just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, so the son of man, Jesus, would be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And so Jonah speaks to us, not just some fairy tale language or a nice story, but Jonah is a very real Uh, representation, uh, foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do when he rose again on the third day from the dead. And so let's get Jonah out of that fish's belly today, but first let's look at what happened while he was there. Turn with me to Jonah chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol... He was in a place of death. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. But look at those first three words. It says, then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. 2020 is the year of prayer here at New Freedom Church. 
Little did I know in December as I was starting to put together our theme for 2020 that the year of prayer would be so more important and, and, and probably monumental than any other uh, word or theme for the year because I think that this year has caused us to pray like we've never prayed before, amen? This year has caused us to reflect upon our lives unlike we've ever done before. This year has stopped us in our tracks to be able to take an introspective look at ourselves and our lives and our world around us and say, God, what is happening in our world today? What is happening in the lives of the people that are around us? And then it gives us an opportunity to pray. See, prayer is very simple. Prayer is calling out to God. It is making an appeal to heaven. And many times we complicate prayer with uh, maybe the, the nuances of it or being very eloquent with it. And I, I love hearing a person that can pray down in heaven. And you, you've been around those people, you get in a prayer meeting and they just get to put chills on your spine because they can pray so well. Now that's not the kind of prayer that I'm gonna talk about this morning because the kind of prayer that Jonah prayed was this kind of prayer. Help, Lord. You ever prayed a prayer like that? Help, Lord. That, that can be the most theologically sound prayer that you can ever pray. It's just help, God. I am in need of help today. And this is where Jonah found himself. It says, then Jonah prayed. Now, this is the fascinating thing to me about this book. I told you last week, there's only 40 verses in Jonah. You can read the whole book in one sitting today after you get home, and you can have all your Bible reading for the week done. Doesn't that, doesn't that feel good? <laughs> but in 40 verses, four chapters, we get to chapter two, and it, and it starts out with this, then Jonah prayed. He hadn't prayed previous to this, but then Jonah prayed. Now, I think that's significant. The first time we see him appealing to heaven, the first time we see him praying is when he is in dire straits, when he is in trouble. The only other prayer that you see in chapter one were his shipmates who were pagan idol worshipers. They were praying to their gods. They would take up this shrine and they would take up that God and they would pray to him hoping for some kind of deliverance. And finally, they had to wake Jonah up. It says that he was deep in a sleep in the bottom of the ship while the storm was raging and they had to say, hey, why don't you start praying to your God? Ours are not working. Will you pray to your God? Now, isn't that just like the world to rouse the church to a place of saying, would you pray for me? I would to God that the church would get to a place where we would be encouraging the world to pray, but really the world all around us today is encouraging the church to pray, encouraging us to cry out to God, to call out to our maker. And this is the great privilege of prayer. Can you imagine that you and I have the privilege, we have the honor of beseeching the maker of heaven and earth, and he knows our name. It says, then Jonah prayed from the belly of the fish. Now, at his lowest point, he prayed. And I think that this is fine, this is good. But many times we try everything else and then we pray. Why don't we just pray first and then we can try everything else? But Jonah said, in my time of affliction is when I called out to God. Now, I love the transparency here of Jonah. He was just being real. People say keeping it real. Jonah was keeping it real. He's saying, Lord, I really wasn't roused to pray until my affliction got so much that I realized I had no other place to go. He was without a boat. He'd got tossed over. He was without any friends. No one was there to help him. There was no life preserver that was given. And the Bible says that God provided... Now listen how God provided. God provided a fish. Now I'm not talking about the fish and loaves that, that, that God provided through Jesus' miracles of multiplication. God provided a fish to swallow him up. 
He'd, he'd wanted out of this situation. He'd been running from God, and God provided the way out, all right. He swallowed him up in a fish. And he said, now in the bowels of Sheol, which is the place of the dead, now in the bowels of Sheol, I am calling out to God in my great affliction. And many times we get to that place where we call out to God because we are afflicted. And that's what he says. The reason that I called out to God was because I was afflicted. But not only that, it says he answered me out of the belly and he heard my voice. Now, here's what you can know about this. You can receive a message from God without praying. But you cannot pray without receiving a message from God. Let me break it down like this. There have been some times in my life when I have not been looking for God. In fact, I've been hiding out from God. I didn't want to hear from God, but there was this little nudge on the inside uh, and it kind of came like this. Joey, or if it was real specific, it would be Joseph, David, you shouldn't do that. I don't want to hear that, God. I'm not looking for a message today, God. I, I, I want to do it my way today. And that's Jonah. He was on the run. He was going to the city as far away from Nineveh as he possibly could. And he was not looking for a message from God, but God was prompting his heart. Some people call it a premonition. You ever had this, like a premonition? Like, I just don't know about that. I, 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 don't, I don't have a good feeling about that. Now, we sometimes pass that off to, you know, we're following our, our conscience. Or we just don't have a good gut feeling. But really, that is God nudging us to do something. And you can receive a message from God without even asking for one, without even praying. But you cannot pray without receiving a message or without receiving an answer from God. Now, here's the problem with that statement. When I wrote it down, I had to really ponder on it and say, okay, is this theologically correct? And yes, it's theologically correct because we don't pray according to God's will or God's heart many times. We pray according to our wishes. I pray many times in the affirmative. God, I want you to do this, and God, I want you to do that, and I want you to endorse this plan, and I want you to put your stamp of approval on that, and here's all my plans, God. We pray like Jimmy. God, this is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. We sometimes will pray in the affirmative to the place where when God says no, or when God says not yet, then we just pray again, oh, but God, you don't understand. I have a really good plan fixed up for this. You need to answer me the way I'm praying. You cannot pray without God answering you. He will answer every single time. Every prayer you have ever prayed has been answered. It's either been yes, which is the go of God. It's been not right now, which is the slow of God. Or it's been not at all, which is the no of God. But God answers every single prayer. And Jonah prayed this prayer in his time of affliction. And he was honest about it. Why, why hide from God anyway? We think that we can hide out from God. Foolishly, we try to cover our true intentions, thinking that somehow we're going to mislead God or deceive God. God sees it all anyway. And so in his affliction, he cried out to God. And when we get to the place of being out of options, like Jonah, he was out of options. There was nothing else left to do. When we get to that place in our lives, then there's only two places to go with that. You can either give up, which is like throw in the towel, you're done, or you can give in to the flow of God, which is relenting. 
It is surrender to the Lord. And thankfully, what happened to Jonah is that he relented. He gave in to the plan of God upon his life. And I'm going to tell you, it's not easy to give in to the plan of God on your life. Because you have other designs, you have other intentions, you have other expectations. And in verse 4, this is, this is the pivotal turning point, I think, of this entire chapter. Then I said, now this is Jonah, then I said, I kind of think about the, the uh, prodigal son when he came to himself, I said to myself, you know, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. He was in despair. He had felt like he was far away from heaven, far away from the blessing of God. Yet I will look again. Somebody say, look again. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Our outlook is like the rudder of our life. What we see is like the direction that will guide our path. Now you can have great eyesight and not have very good insight. You can have wonderful ability to see, but no vision. And Jonah found himself in a place surrounded by circumstances that was the focus of his entire mindset. He could have looked and focused upon the waves, the water, the ship that was going further and further away from him. And he could have certainly looked up and found himself in the dark situation in the belly of that fish and concluded, it's over now. I have no hope. I have no help. There is nothing for me. But he says these words, then I decided, this was a choice of volition, I will look again. Refining our focus gives us insight and vision beyond our natural circumstances. Looking again is found many times in scripture, but a couple that come to my mind is when Elijah, you remember the prophet Elijah, that he called for no rain to be upon the land for three years. Actually, he called for a drought. And the entire land went with no rain for over three years. And the day came when the Lord spoke to him and said, it's time, there's gonna be rain. He looked over to his servant and he said, go to the sea, just over the crest of that hill, I want you to go and look over that hill and I want you to look at the ocean and tell me what do you find? The guy came running back and he said, there's nothing. Elijah said, go again. And he came back and he said, there's nothing. And Elijah said, go look again. And he came back, there's nothing. They did that seven times. On the seventh time back, the guy says, Elijah, I see something. It's very small. It's the, the size of a man's hand. I see a cloud that is rising up from the ocean. And Elijah said, prepare yourself, get ready, for I hear the sound of rain. It hadn't even been raining yet. Where did he hear it? In his spiritual ears. Those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. He saw something and he heard something. Why? Because he looked again. The deluge came down, the rain came, it rained and rained and rained, and the land sopped up the rain at the word of the man of God. Because he had the gumption to say, look again. See, God is doing more in you than you can see on the outside. God's doing something in our land that we can't even see through natural eyes. I think of Elisha as he is the spokesman to an entire nation of Israel. When 
the Syrians were rounding the city of Jerusalem and they're going to bring up a battle that would surely annihilate the people of God. They were vastly outnumbered. The king of Israel looked over to Elisha and said, what do we do now? Where are we going to go with this? It looks like we're so outnumbered that sure destruction is upon the ridge. And here's what Elisha said to his servant. You need to go and look again because those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And when the servant looked again, he saw the encampment of the angel of the Lord and the Lord's host of armies. And he looked again and he said, I see it now. I can see it now. There's a great army surrounding us. God is for us. God's not against us. He is for us. And maybe the doctor has given you a report that you're not going to live. You need to look again. Maybe those divorce papers are already signed, but you haven't really had the release in your heart. You need to look again. Maybe the promotion was given to somebody else, but you just need to look again. Maybe the devil has told you that you're not good enough, that you don't have the qualifications, that you'll never measure up, you'll never amount to anything. Somebody this morning needs to look again because God is calling people back to him. And God wants to do a work in our land, but first he must do a work in our heart. First he must do a work in our lives. And look what he says. I looked to the temple of the Lord. Now what was Jonah talking about here? I looked to the temple of the Lord. He's in the belly of a fish. He can't see the land. He certainly couldn't identify a temple on the ground. What was he talking to? What was the reference point when he said, when I looked again, I turned unto the temple of the Lord? Well, he wasn't talking about a structure built with the hands of man. He wasn't referencing a, a physical temple like was in Jerusalem, but they would go and they would worship Three times a year, every Jew had to turn into the place of, of sacrifice at the temple of the Lord. He wasn't referencing a building. What he was referencing was the place. The temple in the Old Testament was always the place where God met with man. It was where heaven and earth would collide. It was that touching of the, the things in heaven being done on earth happened in the temple. And this is why that I believe it's so vitally important. This is why I'm so encouraged to see a packed house this morning on a time when they said, you got to wear a mask. You got to make sure you don't ever come in contact with anybody. Stay six feet away from everybody. Make sure you don't go out into crowded places unless it's Kroger, Lowe's, Menards or any other establishment like that. But make sure you never come to a place where you're going to be in close quarters. I think it's so vitally important that we as the people of God come together in the place of God to worship the God of heaven. Because this is where heaven meets earth. The temple has always been the place where heaven meets earth. And Jesus was misunderstood when he was standing at that temple and he said these words. He said, tear down this temple and in three days I'll build it up again. They said, well, that's blasphemy. It's taken us hundreds of years to build this temple, and you're telling us that you can build it in three days? But see, they weren't hearing with their spiritual ears because Jesus wasn't talking about brick and stone. He was talking about his body. And his body for three days was dead in the grave. Jesus didn't just pass out. Jesus died a physical, literal death. Why? So that you and I can live a physical, literal, spiritual life. And so 
Jesus embodied the temple of God. Jesus embodied the, 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 the heaven coming to earth to tabernacle and to meet with mankind. And we see that every time you and I as Christ followers who have been born again of his spirit, every time that we bring his character to bear anywhere in our world, we are bringing heaven to earth, even just for a minor glimpse, even just for a moment, anything done in his name, even giving somebody a cold drink of water in his name is showing that you're a citizen of heaven. And when Jonah looked and said, I look toward the temple, what he was prophesying and what he was looking forward to, Jonah being a type of Jesus, being a type of Christ, what he was looking forward to was that heaven coming to collide with earth. Let me back it up for you in scripture. There is coming a day and the promise is sure in the great resurrection that heaven and earth will once again be married together in the glorious new heavens and new earth where we will live and we will reign with him. But let me tell you, there will be no temple. Now, I don't know when Jesus is going to return, but I can tell you it could be today. It could be any time. It can be any moment. We should be watching and waiting for the blessed return of our Savior. But here's what what John the Revelator said. He said, but I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. The city had no need of sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God illuminated. The lamb is the light. When you and I look to the temple, we're looking towards Jesus. And when you get a glimpse of Jesus, your life will change forever. Jonah had nothing to claim as his own. He had nothing to hold on to, no bank savings, no, no get out of jail free card, no ticket express to get him out of that belly. All he had was Jesus. And when all, all you have is Jesus, you know Jesus is all you need. He'll get you through the darkest of nights. And I believe that the Lord is telling us to refocus our vision. It's not good enough to have eyesight. We have to have insight. It's not good enough to be able to see with your eyes. You have to have vision with your heart. And I believe that we should be gazing upon eternity for the breath of eternity is breathing upon our day. And we should be light bearers of the truth. And here's what happens is that when we start to fix our eyes on things eternal, then a repentance wells up in our heart, which changes our heart. Just like your outlook is the rudder of your life, your repentance is the direction of your path. Now hear me, repentance is not something you did at 15 years old when you came to the altar and you said you were sorry for your sins. That was repentance, but repentance is an ongoing lifestyle of rejuvenation for the believer. I repented this morning. I repent, not often enough, but every single week, every day we should be repenting. What is repentance? It is turning in the opposite direction. It's turning to God. That's repentance. And true repentance will result in heart change, which implies action. When you have truly repented, your heart will change and then action will follow. There will be a result of action in your life. Let's look at it. Jonah 2 and 7 says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered. Somebody say remembered. What did he remember? I remembered the Lord. God's been good. God's been faithful. 
Even when I've been faithless, God's been faithful. I remembered the Lord. And my prayer, look at this, went up to you, where? Into your holy temple, into the place where heaven meets earth, into the place that I want to be, into the place of God's blessing, the place that my heart is set free. All the way through to this point, everything that Jonah did went down, down, down. He went down to the dock so that he could book a passage and a fare to go down to Tarsus. He went down to the belly of the ship to take a nap. While he was down there, someone came and woke him up and said, can't you see that we are perishing? Pray to your God. He said, all you need to do is throw me over the ship and the storm will stop. And so he went down into the water. When he was in the water, he figured life is over. I despair of life. God has cast me out. But then he went down into the belly of a fish. But when he prayed, now all of a sudden his direction started turning because his heart changed, action resulted, and he went up. He went up when he prayed. If you need to get up today, you just need to pray. You just need to seek God. You just need to cry out to your heavenly father. It says that my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Verses nine and 10. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. You know, the Bible tells us it's better not to make a vow with God than to make one and break it. If you've been promising God that you're fitting to, you're about to, as soon as you get around to it, you know what around to it is? It's a little coin. I'll give you one. You can get around to it. You start doing it. But every time that we put off, every time that we negotiate with God, every time that we make a deal, we delay the obedience in our life that God is calling us to. And he says, I will, with a voice of thanksgiving, I'll pay what I have vowed. What did he vow? It doesn't say, but God put a call upon Jonah at this stage in his life. Could it be that way back when Jonah had prayed a prayer of steadfast repentance to God, that if you call me, I will go where you lead me, I will follow. How many of us have ever prayed a prayer? That's a dangerous prayer. God, I'll do it if you get me out of this one. Well, mark it down. That's a vow. God's going to make good on that prayer someday, somehow. And he says, salvation is of the Lord. This is where I know that repentance had taken place because he said, salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. Jonah is now out of the belly of the fish. But something in this text caught my attention. He said that I will sacrifice to you. The Bible says that obedience is better. Hear me, obedience is better than sacrifice. It doesn't say God won't take sacrifice. It says obedience is preferred. If Jonah had obeyed, he would have never been on his way to Tarsus to be thrown over the bow of a ship, to be swallowed up by a fish, to now having been in the belly of that fish three days, he probably looked miserable and smelled even worse. 
spit up on dry ground. And now at this point, he's saying, I will sacrifice. And God says, yes, you, you will sacrifice because you didn't obey. See, if we obey first, the sacrifice is a whole lot less later. But when I think of sacrifice, I think of my time. It's a sacrifice to invest my time into an endeavor. It's a sacrifice to give of my energy to something. You and I sacrifice our time and our energy for an exchange called money. And when we sacrifice to get that money, then we also correlate things of sacrifice in monetary terms. Well, I'm going to give the church a little bit of my money because it represents my time and it represents my energy. And some will give God their money, their time, and their energy, their talent, their treasure, and their time. So when I think of sacrifice, I typically think in terms of what I have to give that will affect my pocketbook. But that's not what Jonah said. He said, I will sacrifice with the voice of my thanksgiving. So here's what caught my attention. How is thanksgiving a sacrifice? It doesn't seem like a sacrifice. Anybody can give thanks. To give thanks doesn't seem like it's putting anybody out a whole lot. I mean, God, if I get to keep my money and I get to keep my time and I get to keep my energy, I'll give you a sacrifice of thanksgiving. No, 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 hold up. It's harder than you think. Because what he's talking about here is to voice a sacrifice of thanksgiving doesn't imply that you can be secret service Christian with this. You know what a secret service Christian is? Just undercover. You're, you're a Christian, but you're just undercover. You're not going to voice it. You're not going to talk about it. You're not going to testify to it. You're not going to let people know on social media that you belong to that group. See, that's a secret service Christian. But he said that Thanksgiving, the voice of Thanksgiving was a sacrifice because he wanted to be proud about it. He wanted to be loud about it. He wanted people to know about it. And Thanksgiving is a sacrifice when what's happening in your external, when what's happening on the peripheral, when what's happening in your life on the outside does not in any way reflect what you thought it would be like on the inside. When your life looks like you are cast out and cast down and you are at the point of despair, thanksgiving is the last thing you want to give. It's the last thing you want to do. Thanksgiving is a sacrifice when you can tell of the goodness of God even in the horrible conditions around. That's a sacrifice. And here's what I've learned about the, the, the sacrifice of thanksgiving is that it will break the back of despair. It will eradicate bitterness. It will break off depression. Because when you get to the place of remembering how good God has been to you, and you can actually bring yourself not to just think about it, not just to ponder it in your heart, but to voice it, to tell about it. Because what you say, you're committed to. So when you tell of it, when you give your voice to thanksgiving, now there's a commitment to you. Are you going to walk out what you've been talking out? And thanksgiving is a sacrifice when you offer it to God in the midst of your darkest moment. And Jonah was certainly in the midst of his darkest moment. And he said, I'm going to voice this because salvation belongs 
to God. Notice, Jonah had not done anything yet for God. He had not done any work for God. He had not been faithful to the call. He had not been faithful to go and preach. He had not witnessed to the, 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 the sea mates there in the boat. He had not done anything for God. And God was speaking to him a word of redemption. Only in the Christian faith can you find works after, somebody say after, salvation. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works follow salvation. If you thought that you were gonna clean your life up so good that you were gonna impress the church people and impress God when you walked in the doors, you're miserably wrong. Good works do not precede salvation. They follow it and they flow from it. Just like a thankful heart flows from a remembrance of what God has said and what God has done. Now what happens when God finally gets you out of your mess. Jonah already telegraphed. He said, God, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do what you asked me to do. You've gotten me out of this. I am gonna make good on what I promised to you. And not only that, I'm gonna make the greatest sacrifice and that is one of giving thanks. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just between you and God today, I just wonder today, maybe you need to take that step of salvation to the Lord. Maybe there needs to be a repentance today in your heart of a heart change. If it's the very first time and you've never said yes to Jesus, then good news, today is your day. You have the opportunity to say yes to him today. Maybe you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I've done that before, but I just need a fresh thanksgiving in my heart to God. Then today, you're gonna pay a vow of thanksgiving to God. It's his. It's gonna break the back of bitterness, depression, anxiety in your mind, pain in your body resulting from anxiety of your heart, God will do it today. You pray this prayer with me. Father, today I say yes to the call. I say yes to salvation. I say yes to Jesus. I repent today. Somebody needs to say that out loud. I repent today. I receive the goodness of God in my life. I am going to give thanks for God has been good to me. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Today, I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, and if it was your first time, we want to know about that. We want you to reach out to us. There's a digital connection card right there online. If you're watching online, you can let us know that you made that decision. If you're here with us uh, in person, we have a free gift that we'd like to give you. And if you're just updating some things with God, if you're just bringing your relationship up to date with Him, then that's good too. And next week, we want to give you an opportunity to make your profession of faith public. You know, in the old time revivals, what they would do is they'd have people walk the aisles. They would come down and, and they would sing a song like, Just As I Am. And that was wonderful to watch those great crusades as people would come to an altar. But can I tell you that really the sign of an altar call is when you've come around the waters of baptism to say, my life has changed. I want to do something as ridiculous as going down in water and coming up 
into newness of life. It's not because you're washing away the filth of the flesh. It's to show a good conscience towards God. And next week after our 1030 service, we're going to have a baptism service. If you haven't signed up, there's still time to do that. It's not going to be here to be at the Stolly Farm. We have directions. But that is the ultimate altar call. That is saying that my life has changed and I want to identify with the family of God. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Thank you for joining us today. I just can't wait for next week. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you for sharing on social media and please subscribe. And if this message has impacted you in any way, would you just write a rating or review for us so we can reach even more people with this message? Your generosity really does make a difference. So to give, please go to newfc.org and click on the giving tab or click on the link in the video description. We love you. We'll see you real soon.